<clears throat> okay, good evening, Rabbi Yisai, Shalom Aleichem, Baruch HaMabam. We continue our shiurim on Sefer Bereshis, which is once again sponsored by the Zakai family, by Dr. Zakim Omishpachta, Le'ilo Nishmas, Rav Shalom, Eliezer Ben Rabbi Yaakov Zakai, and Le'ilo Nishmas, Dr. Zakai's mother, Rivka Bas Tuvia Halevi, their Neshama Shavna Aliyah, Began Eden, Temenu Chassam. She believes in Yisham for the whole families, for Simcha Sanachas, Abiyas Goel Tzedek. Tonight's shir is sponsored by Maras Rivka Ozerski in honor of her father's yard site, Zayin Cheshvan, Beganeid and Teimenu Chasai. Should be a male for his whole family. For Simcha Sanachas, for Suras Toivais, Abiyas Gael Sedek. Tonight's shir is also sponsored anonymously. Uh, the person doesn't want me to say the name, but we'll say, I just have to give him a bracha. So it'll be Mavarech Rabbi Yaakov, but I'm not going to say what country he's in. I'm just going to say he's, he comes from the East. And, um, that he should be a source of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's blessing, Okay, we have a very interesting topic tonight. Parshas Lech Lecha. God tells Abraham, Lech Lecha, go, where? I'll let you know. To the land that I'm going to show you. Ultimately, Hashem lets Abraham know to go, he goes to Eretz Yisrael, but this is sort of the mission statement of the Jew. Lech lecha. Go. Travel. Travel. And uh, Kal Yisrael has been doing that for the last uh, 3,500 years. We've been on the move. Rav Chaim Velazhner says there have been 10 major stops along the way since we were exiled from Yishalayim to Babylon, to Persia, to Syria, to... Spain, to Portugal, to Italy, to Germany, to Poland, to Russia, to Ukraine, and then finally to New York. And the United States of America, Reb Chaim says, will be the final stop. But tonight we're going to talk about the subject of traveling. Some people like to travel. We're going to talk about traveling in Jewish thought. And uh, we begin with a very powerful and frightening statement of Rabbi Kibager. How did Avram know which direction to go to? Or I mean, he could have it's it's interesting. Out, so God never gave him any any information. The only thing is, he had already been to Eretz Yisrael five years earlier. People think that this is the first time Avram ever went to Eretz Yisrael. He was, we learned last year, that Avram went to Eretz Yisrael at age 70 for the Brisbane Habasarim. Mm. And then he came back. And God said, get back. Ah. So... Okay. Um, Rabbi Kivager and Parshas Bahaloischa, he has a very interesting drush. He says on the Pasuk, Vehoish Asharhu Tahar Uvederach Lehoya. And a man who's not pure and on the road he didn't go. Excuse me. Vehoish Asharhu Tahar. And the man who is pure and on the road he didn't go. So Rabbi Kivager Darshand, if the man is pure, you know why he's pure? Because he didn't travel. You stay at home. You stay home, you're pure. Once you hit the road, there are too many spiritual dangers. You know, it's it's much easier to be tahar when you're ashrei yoishvei vesecha. Once you go out of the confines of your dalaramos, once you start traveling, you're in big danger. So the guy, he's always mocked on Nagel Vassar by his bed. Yeah, but what, now, now what he's supposed to do, he's in a hotel. How is he supposed to do that? The guy always uh, is mocked to wash his hands for bread, not in the bathroom. What are we supposed to do? He's on an airplane. 
you know. So it's, it's very easy to be medactic, but when you're traveling, it's very, very difficult. So the Torah says, The man is pure. You know why he's pure? He's not on the move. He's at home. He has the tranquility to have the wherewithal to observe all the minutia of the halacha. And uh, a, a similar thought, the Maral of Prague's brother writes in the Sefer HaChayim, that those people who are never at rest, but they're always running after the emptiness of this world, they're always going here, they're always going there, to, to pursue Havle Oilam So what do we call people always? Ratzim? Shratzim. Shratzim. Sharad. Why are Shratzim called Shratzim? Sharatzim. They're always running. They're Marbe Raglayim. They, they walk a lot. They travel a lot. So it's a Simen Tuma. That's the introduction. And on the other hand, throughout history, there have been many great G'dayle Yisrael who perhaps the most distinguishing quality that is known about them is their travel. Beginning with Maran Gaon Uzenu Reb Chaim Yosef David Azulai, the Chida. Now, I have a list of the top ten people that... If I could, I would like to meet. In Jewish history. Some surfers on my list, okay? <laughs> Rashi's on my list. Chida is definitely on the list. Definitely top five. Definitely top three. Maybe even number one. To me, he's the most interesting personality in Jewish history. And first of all, he was extremely wise his midah, his sterling midahs, he looked like an angel of God, he had great humility, and the Chida made two major travels. In 1753, he visited 148 cities throughout Europe and Asia. In 1773, he visited 156 cities. Okay? Now, the Chida published a diary of his travels. It's called Ma'agal Taiv. He writes, I, the young man, have uh, taken to the sea, taken to the desert to travel throughout the Jewish world on behalf of the residents of Hebron. And basically, what did the Chida do? He was a Meshulach. He was a Shadar. You know what the word Shadar stands for? Shlucha de Rabbanam. He was an agent of the rabbis and he collected for the yeshivas in Yushalayim. Now, imagine someone knocked on your door. Yankel, someone's at the door. Really? Sprintzel, who's there? It's a mashalach. And you come to the door, and the chida is standing there. Okay? I think, I don't know, I think I would faint. The chida? You know, the chida was a, um, a mashalach for the yeshivas of Eretz Yisrael. In 1753, he traveled for five years. He went to 148 cities. Now, the Chida published a diary called Magal Tai. The first thing you need to know is, in all probability, the Chida never meant it for, to be published. Because there is information there about people he met that I don't think the Chida would want people to know what he wrote about that. But somebody found the diary and published it. I happen to have it in Hebrew. I have it in English. Okay? I think it's available online. It must be over $100 by now. It's a very scholarly uh, translation of the Chida's travels. And they recently published, they're publishing a two-volume set in Hebrew. 
Um, this edition is out of this world. It's called Nagel Toiv. You open it up. This is the. Tra- this book is about his travels between 1753 and 1758, and the map of the 143, I believe, it was 148 cities that he visited. Okay, but we're talking about. He went from Israel to Gaza to Cairo to Alexandria to Livorno to. Bordeaux to Paris to London to Amsterdam to Frankfurt through back to Italy to through Turkey to Izmir Constantinople Syria Yafo back to Yushalayim okay and this is talking about a time when there were pirates on the seas and the Chida what came face to Anton he met pirates did you ever meet pirates not from Pittsburgh the Chida the Chida met we're going face to face with the pirates of Malta. So, and uh, so it's very interesting. We have to try to understand why did the Chida travel on behalf of the cities of Eretz Yisrael? Um, to the point where the Chida was such a great traveler that he was called Hatayar Hagadol. He was called the great traveler. I mean, that's that's what he's that's what he's known as. Um, what's amazing is the Chida spoke many languages, which made him uniquely suited for this task. He spoke French, he spoke German, he spoke Italian, he spoke Spanish, he spoke Arabic, he spoke Portuguese, and he spoke Yiddish, which is a Chidosh Noira. How would he know Yiddish? In Israel they don't speak Yiddish. How would the Chida know Yiddish? In fact, the Chida, when he met the Noy de Behuda, he asked the Noy de Behuda a question. Noy de Behuda stroked his beard. In the meantime, Mrs. Noy de Behuda chimed in with the answer in Yiddish, and the Noy de Behuda began to translate. He said, Farpura Shvina Isha. I got it already. I, I got it. The woman said her piece. I know Yiddish. So the Chida was an expert in, in many languages, and one of the reasons why the Chida took upon himself to collect money, again, for 11 years. Now, what's amazing is, Chida, we're going to see. Chida loved Eretz Yisrael with every fiber of his being. He said, For the sake of Zion, I will not be silent. And he believed, now this is incredible. How many Jews lived in Israel in 1750? 7,000. More Jews learning in the mirror yeshiva today? Then Jews were in Israel in 1750. Is that miraculous? There are more Jews learning in the Mir Yeshiva today than Jews in Israel in 1750. And the Chida loved Israel so much that he he felt he needed to support the Yeshiva of Eretz Yisrael. He felt he needed to give the Zuchus to the Bnei Chutzla Eretz to support the residents of Israel. And whenever somebody would insult the Chida, the Chida wasn't in pain for his personal plight, but instead he was in pain that the that Eretz Yisrael was not given the respect that it deserved. And ever, whenever they told the Chida when he was in France, by the way, in Amsterdam they respect you greatly, so the Chida said, L'chvoyd Eretz Yisrael. There's amazing tshuva on the Chida. In Tshuvas Yosef Oymetz, Simon Yotas, the Chida was asked about the practice that when you collect money, when these shluchim, these shadarim, would collect money, so you give them a hundred bucks. What percent do you think ended up back in the yeshiva? So everybody knows the collectors take a cut. If you don't know that, then I have a bridge to sell you, right? 
I have actually many bridges I would like to sell you. The collectors for any Moisa today, of course, they take a cut, 33%, 40%, 50%, whatever the arrangement is. So I know my father's uncle's inside. When somebody comes from the yeshiva, if he knows the collector, he gives them two checks. You give him, if you know the person, you give a modest check to the institution, and you give a nice check to the guy, because this is his parnasa, the poor guy, you know, he's not rolling in the, Okay. So, the Chida felt that, and people were like, you know, didn't like the fact that uh, the collectors took a cut. So the Chida would say, look, you know how important it is to support the residents of Eretz Yisrael? He quotes the Sifri, living in the land of Israel is equal to 613 mitzvahs. We would know that about Talmud Torah, but there, we say that about Yishev Eretz Yisrael, Shkula, Keneged, Kol Mitzvahs. And Tefillah in Eretz Yisrael go straight up to Shamayim. In Chutz Eretz, eh, you know, they, they uh, analyze it, they scrutinize it. So says the Chida, Eved Hashem. How can a servant of God have a, 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 the privilege of taking a chilek and living in the Holy Land and having a chilek in the Torah of the Holy Land? More than supporting the residents who learn Torah in Eretz Yisrael. If you want to have a chilek in Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, in Torah Eretz Yisrael, how wonderful it is to support the residents of Eretz then you're greater than them. Because you're facilitating Godal Hama'aseh Yosem and Isa. So the guy in New York who gives tzedakah to the people learning in Eretz Yisrael is greater than the person learning in Eretz Yisrael. In a certain sense. So the Chida wanted to be Mezakeh, the Bnei Chutz Aretz, in supporting the Torah institutions of the land of Israel. And therefore, he spent 11 years of his life. Now, you should know, he didn't just collect money. The Chida visited Kamat every library in Europe. The Bodenheim Library, the Oxford Library, in, in everywhere. Any major library in uh, Europe, the Chida was there. He mem- memorized manuscripts. And we have many quotes of Rabbi Noah Ephraim and the Me'iri that the Chida memorized on his various trips. And some of the uh, encounter the Chida writes about visiting the Tower of London and all the major tourist attractions throughout Europe are documented in the Sefer Magalta. In any event, there's another legend why the Chida was always traveling. Now, by the way, you know that the Rebbe Aaron Cutler would say, why are Rosh Hashivas always traveling? Because they give shira. When you give shira, there's always a guy in center field. He's going to ask a ridiculous question. And the rabbi might say something that's a little embarrassing to him. And embarrassing someone publicly is like killing them. And when you kill someone, you got to go into Golas. So the fate of Rabbanim who teach Torah is, is that they need a little kapara. That's what Rabbi Aaron said, why God arranges it that uh, the Rosh Yeshiva are traveling. Okay. This is the legend about the Chida. It was the year 1753. The Chida was a student of Rachaim HaKadosh. By the way, the Chida, he loved Israel so much, but in his second travels in 1773 to 1778, he stopped off in Livarno, and he never left. A man who loves Israel so much, he, he moves to Levarno. He died in Levarno. He's buried in Levarno. Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu, I think in the 50s or the 60s, they, they brought up his remains to Har Menuchais. That's because the Chida, more than anything, loved to publish Svarim. 
And to publish Sarm, you need two things. You need a printing press, and you need sponsors. And Livorno had both of them. His press and his sponsors were in Italy, and that's where the Chidah spent the rest of his life. The legend has it that the, uh, the Chidah was also a student of the Rashas, Rav Shalom Sharabi, the great Mekobal. And in 1753, the Rashash gathered his two primary disciples, Lechida and Reb Chaim de la Rosa. And he said, it's time for Mashiach to come. We're going to fast. We're going to make tikunim, yichudim, tevilois in the mikvah, kavanois, tzirufei shemois, and we're going we're gonna to force the envelope. We're going to bring the Mashiach. So for three weeks, they fasted, they contemplated, they meditated, they purified, and all of a sudden a heavenly voice calls out, Who, my dear, cherished children, how dare you push the envelope before the right time? It's not the right time yet. It's not the time for Mashiach. Because you push the envelope, I decree upon you death and exile, and, and you can't study anymore. And now these three sages had to make a gyrol. Who gets what punishment? And the Chida got exile. And the next morning, he left Israel. So the legend has it that the Chida left, and this was the, his heaven, heavenly mission for participating in the program of the Rashash to try to bring the Mashiach. What happened to the Rashash? What happened to Reb Chaim Villaroso? Check out TorahAnyDime.com at the grave of the Rashash and the grave of Reb Chaim Villaroso on Har Hazesim, you'll see the rest of the story. Also, I don't remember right now. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to check it out also. But that's what happened to the Chida. Another legend. Another legend is that when the Chida, and by the way, this comes from the Sefer, Oiroi Shalaylam, there's a biography on the Chida. I thank my friend of Nassim Waldner for getting me this Sefer in the special Sephardi Svarim store in the heart of Yushalayim. And um, here it brings another legend that when the Chido was a young man, he was so holy, so pure, he was elevating himself so much that his father had a dream that the dark side was after his son, the Sitra Achra, and you better get your son out of Jerusalem because uh, he's really agitating the Sitra Achra. And his father told the Chida, get out of Jerusalem, and the Chida went to Hebron, and ultimately he left Eretz Yisrael. So that's the story of the Chida. Chida is one of the most fascinating personalities of all time. I mean, the Chida wrote bibliography, he wrote Al HaToyra, he wrote on Nevi'im, he wrote on Ksuvim, he wrote on Shulchan Aruch, Shas Agadita. You name the subject, the Chida has a sefer on it. And what's interesting is the Chida writes in his sefer Avodas HaKodesh, a line that really captures his whole life. He says, Mi she'enoi ma'abid hazman, yesh zman lakoil. Someone who doesn't waste time, there's time for everything. So he is traveler number one. Now we go to traveler number two. Traveler number two was probably the first great rabbinic figure to be known as a traveler. We don't really know his name even. His name is called Rav Ashtoire Haparchi. He was a provincial scholar from Provence. He was born in 1282 in Florence, in Spain. And therefore, Florenza, he's called Haparchi, the flower. He was Nifter in Eretz Yisrael in 1357. 
it was very rare for someone to make Aliyah in the 13th century. It was unheard of. Who, who goes to Eretz in the 13th century? His name, we don't know his name really. Some say his name was Yitzchak. Probably the word Ashtore is Ish Taire, the man who travels. That was probably some kind of pseudonym. We don't know his actual name. He was a Rishon. He learned from his father. He wrote a Sefer, Kafdar Vaferach. Okay? Three-volume Sefer. This gentleman from the Chassam Sefer knows about this. He heard about it. Okay. Three volumes. We're going to see what this is on. This is a fascinating Sefer, one of the great Svarim of the Rishonim. He uh, learned from his father, then from his grandfather in Shran Kwatel. And his main Rebbe was Rebbe Lezer Rabbi Yosef, who was killed at Kiddush Hashem in 1322. At 19 years old, he went to Manpalier. There he learned from a relative, Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov ben Machir, and then he became a student of the Rush. Now what's the Rush doing in uh, Spain? Because they try, they were trying to kill him in Germany. After the Marame Rothenberg was imprisoned, and Marame Rothenberg died in jail, and the Rush tried to redeem Marame Rothenberg, so the, and Marame Rothenberg died in jail, the Rush figured, okay, now they're after me next. So the Rush had to run away to Spain. Now the rush comes to Spain, Ashkenazi rabbi in Sephardic community. That's actually, it usually works. Sephardim love Ashkenazic rabbis. The only thing is they don't accept their custom. So the, the rush tried to impose Minog Ashkenaz on the Sephardim, and they loved him, but it didn't go. It didn't, it, that didn't work. Anyway, so Rosh Haparchi became a student of the rush, and he decided in 1312, that he's going to go to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, who goes to Israel in 1312? Nobody does that. It's not like, you know, he opened up the paper, oh, there's a new building going up in Israel, and if you pay a million dollars, then you have the right to bid on the building along with, you know, you can make a bid on the building. You might not get anything. You might just be giving them a million dollars. No, I mean, it wasn't settled. It wasn't developed. And in 1312, he went through Cairo. In Cairo, he meets the grandson of the Rambam of Shmuel Hanogid, who wanted him to stay in Cairo. He did not stay. Instead, he comes to Eretz Yisrael. He comes to Yushalayim. And what's he doing in Yushalayim? He begins to do scientific, investigative research about the topography of, of the land of Israel. How long is it? How wide is it? How tall are its mountains? How big is Yushalayim? The problem is he gets to Jerusalem and there's a big machlekes. Pro-Rambam, anti-Rambam. He doesn't waste the time on you get involved in Machlekes. He leaves Yerushalayim. He goes to Beit Shan, Beit Sha'an. And he spends seven years there in his scientific investigative research. He spends five years in the Galilee, two years in the rest of, excuse me, two years in the Galilee, five years in the rest of Israel. And in 1322, he prepares his Sefer, three volumes about the dimensions, length, the breadth, the width, height, weather of the land of Israel. Halacha l'maysa. What's Eretz Yisrael halacha l'maysa? What's not? Now, he had a very unique shita. He very much opposed. Many people had an opinion that, okay, if you're not chayv in Shumas HaMaisrois, it doesn't have Kedushas Eretz Yisrael. He said, no, we need, to ma- we need to expand Israel as large as possible. Anytime you can make a case, this city is part of the land, we need to bring it into the land. He says, Kedushas Haaretz, 
and mitzvahs hatzuyos ba'aretz are not dependent on each other. So you could have many cities that are not chayiv in Shemus because it was not conquered in the times of Ezra, but it still has Kedushas Eretz Yisrael. So his approach was to expand the boundaries and the borders of Eretz Yisrael as wide as possible. And then he was very involved in investigating the Harabayas. Where was the Chatzar? Where was the Makam HaMikdash? Where was the Kresha Where can you go? Where can't you go? Did you need permission to come? What? Did he need permission to go up? No, not then. By the way, a lot of the halachas that we have today of, of where are certain things, where was the heichal, where was the chayal, where was the azara, sefer kafter v'farach. And he talks about the kedushas hamikdash and the mishkan and the kalim and the significance of the dimensions of the kalim. This is all in sefer kafter v'farach. Now, so this is Rabbi Ashturi Haparchi. Some say he, in all likelihood, he was killed. After he wrote his book, he continued his uh, research. Now, here's an interesting thing. There was another Jewish traveler before Rabbi Shturi Haparchi. His name was Rabbi, uh, not Rabbi, Benjamin of Tudila. Benjamin of Toledo. Jews always love to take the name of the city and to just twist it around, right? So they, we, we, throughout Tanakh we do that. We come to the city and we, we give it a little uh, t- twist. So it, he was from Toledo. Benjamin of Tudila. He was from Navari, and he was probably the most interesting traveler of all, although we know nothing about him. His travels began approximately in the year 1173. And the thing about him was, he wasn't doing any scientific or investigative research. He just traveled the proven, trodden um, roads, he just took the, you know, the Derech HaMelech. He took the main highways. Now, you know, the main highways were through a, a rainforest or through a forest. But Rabbi Shura Parchi actually, you know, um, went out on his own into the forests and he went out into the wilderness without a guide, not on regular roads, to see where Eretz Yisrael was. Benjamin of Tadila just took the main roads and he reported about the civilizations that he met the people that he met, the cultures that he encountered. But Benjamin of Tudila did not just go to the land of Israel. Uh, He went to almost every single country in the known world. He started off in France, then to Italy, then to Greece, then to the Levant. Who knows what the Levant is? Yeah, Lebanon, Jordan, the, uh, the Middle East, Turkey, Syria, Israel, Babylon, Persia, Tibet, India, China, Yemen, Egypt. I mean, he went all over the world. And he writes about all the various cultures and civilizations. So actually, uh, Benjamin of Tadila was not writing a halachic work like Rav Ashtori Parchi. He was writing a work of general interest. And secular scholars study Benjamin of Tadila to learn about the ancient civilizations. Now, what was his motivation? Nobody knows. Some say he was a businessman. Some, some say he um, he was collecting money for the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it's the same thing. Um, however, in the Sefer Toldos Yisrael, I don't know, this sounds like conjecture, they say that maybe Benjamin Tadila had some kind of messianic uh, 
hope that in the course of his travels, he would meet people who would help him out and would advise him how to expedite the redemption. Be it as it may, uh, his travels are very different than, let's say, the Chidah. The Chidah traveled to collect money for Eretz Yisrael, to learn from manuscripts that were not available anywhere else in the world, and uh, to publish the Svarim. Rosh Parchi traveled to be able to learn the halachas of Eretz Yisrael. In fact, some say the word Tayar comes from the word Torah. Uh, in fact, Rabbi Yitzchak Barditchev says, V'yasuru es Eretz Kenan, but uh, certainly the Chidah's travels emanated from his inquenchable uh, thirst for knowledge. Okay, the final traveler that we're going to discuss tonight, I have a picture of him on your sheets. We once spoke about him in the past. Um, Isaac, maybe put on the groups when we spoke about this. I don't know. We definitely spoke about this. We spoke about this individual. Rabbi Yehoisif Schwartz. This is his self-portrait. Okay, He was born in 1804. He was a great tzaddik. He was born in Germany. His father was a renowned rav. At 14 years old, he went to the seminar in Germany. He graduated at 17. He entered the base medrash in uh, Reitzburg. After five years, he began to dedicate himself to studying the halachas of Eretz Yisrael and anything connected to Eretz Yisrael. 1829, he published the first maps of Eretz Yisrael. And he then told his family, I'm out of here. I'm moving to the land of Israel. Nobody moved to Israel in 1820. That's for sure. Maybe in 13... In, 13, in the 14th century, you have a better shot of moving to Israel than in the 19th century, in the early 19th century. And he came down with some kind of machla, cholera, and he got stuck at the border in Hungary, in Italy, and finally he arrives in April 1833. He comes to Yafo. There are no Jews in Yafo in 1833. He finally gets to Jerusalem. He's an Ashkenazic young man in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was completely Sephardic. There were no Ashkenazim in Jerusalem. So what do you do if you're a Sephardi, you're Ashkenazi in a Sephardic land? You become Sephardi, right? You know, there was a great rabbi named um, Reb Chaim Noah. So he, he took a, a steller in, in uh, Ukraine or in Russia by Bukharians. And uh, he changed his name. He changed his last name to Mendelov. Why? Because when you're a rabbi of Sephardim, you become Sephardi. He changed his last name. So that's what Rabbi Yehoshua Schwartz did. He put on Sephardic garb. He married a girl, I believe she was a very young girl, as a minog of Sephardim. Maybe she was, I don't want to say, but she was quite young. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we have a very chashva rub in the neighborhood. Either he's a descendant or a closely re- related rabbi, Rabag, comes from uh, Rabbi Yehoshua Schwartz. Um, and he then dedicated himself to study the topography of the land of Israel. He went up to mountains thousands of times to determine the exact moment of Aloy Sashachar, Neitzachama, and Shkia. The problem is, it's very hard to find a minion. When you're, let's say, climbing up, you know, Carmel, or climbing a mountain in the north of Israel, it's very hard to find a minion there, considering the fact there probably aren't 10 people within 50 square miles. So he wasn't able to down with the minion, and later in life he fasted a tinus for every time he missed uh, 
Kriyas HaTayra B'Tzibar. He's a very big tzaddik, very righteous. If I'm not mistaken, he traveled to America. He, why he traveled to America? He wanted to determine when is the correct location to say Baruch HaTayram Asher Asas Hayam HaGadal. Do you make it in the, on the Atlantic? Do you make it by the by the Strait of Gibraltar, where the Atlantic Ocean meets the Mediterranean Sea. That's what many people say is the best spot to make. If I'm not mistaken, he met a rabbi in Philadelphia. Now, there were no rabbis in America at the time, but there was someone who was a reverend. Reverend Isaac Leeser. You ever hear of Reverend Isaac Leeser? Yes. He wrote the first English translation of the Bible. Actually, it was just up for auction. Rabbi Isaac Leeser. When I went to Philadelphia during COVID... I, I was uh, bottlenecked up here, so I went to Philadelphia, and I visited his shul, and in Rabbi Isaac Leeser's shul, they gave me the key to the ancient cemetery, and I visited his kever in Philadelphia. Isaac Leeser met Rabbi Yehosef Schwartz. He was so impressed with him, Isaac Leeser translated Yehosef Schwartz's Sefer into English. This is a Sefer in Hebrew. I think Gedalia Schwartz, no related relation to Rabbi Yehosef Schwartz, got this for me. I think so. In it, this is all about the topography of the land of Israel. And uh, really, he dedicated his life to, uh, to studying the plants of Israel, the animals of Israel, and anything connected to the Holy Land. So here we have probably the four most renowned Jewish travelers of all time. You have the Chida, you have Rav Ashtori HaParchi, you have Benjamin of Todila, and Rabbi Yehosef Schwartz. Uh, certainly there were more. I just want to end with one last thought about uh, travel. The Torah Devaira and Parak He writes regarding the mystical um, sphera of Malchus. He says that if somebody wants to become the Merkava to the Shechina, to, go, to put yourself in Golos, you know, the Gra exiled himself for a certain amount of time where he went incognito from community to community. He, he went into Golos. And the Torah Devar writes, one should imagine about himself, I'm in Golos, and uh, at least when I'm in Golos, I have uh, my suitcase, I have my clothing, but when the Shechina is in Golos, the Shechina doesn't even have his ke- its kalim. And therefore, when you go into Golos, take as li- little as possible, and humble your heart and connect yourself to the Torah, and then the Shechina will be upon you. Like Rabbi Shimbar Yechoi went into Golos. When you go into Golos, you become the Merkava to the Shechina. Now we know Rashi writes, Ha'avais hein hein ha The Avais were the chariot of God's presence. And certainly the Avais, they were always on the go. Avraham comes to Eretz Yisrael. And as soon as he gets there, there's hunger, he has to go to Egypt. And Yitzchak is um, Vayagar, he's only a ger, he's only, he's only a sojourner. And Yaakovina was always on the run. And perhaps that was an element of how the Avais HaKadoshim were Merkava L'Shechina. So as we mentioned, in general, my grandfather, Zechitzak Levracha, would always say, Ashrei Yoishvei Beisacha. Happy is one who sits in his home. When you're home, you could observe the halacha um, in a in a uh, controlled environment, as they say. You know, you're in control of of the environment, and you could observe 
to, to the best of your ability. Once you're on the road, as we saw from Rabbi Akiva Eger, However, there were a number of great people who had made very great contributions to the Jewish people, specifically through their mitzvah of Lech Lecha. Now it's interesting, I'll end with this. But Moshe Feinstein says, this is brought in a new sefer that they published from Moshe, that in life, you, sometimes you got to go to different places. You know, sometimes you got to go, you got to go to uh, a dinner you're not interested in going to, simcha uh, you're not interested in going to, a uh, bad occasion you're not, you know, sometimes you got to go places. But wherever you need to go, and that's the Ratzon of Hashem, you should imagine in your mind that the Yavon coming to you, he's giving you a mitzvah, he's telling you, Lech Lecha, go! And then when you execute that mission, so it's not just you're going somewhere, but you're heeding the call of the Rebani Shalom, and the Rebani Shalom is sending you there, and by going there, it will be Lecha, it will be so Hashem could reward you, and bless you, and give you all the great blessings, like Hashem did to Abraham Avinu. Okay, Marva Abayse, thank you very much for coming this evening. Have a wonderful night. Thank you. Kolta.